And we have the privilege of being that kind of church to help our, ourselves focus on that, to live together for that. And the church is God's, in a sense, God's program for this, this time to help people to, to know Christ and to follow him and ultimately be focused on heaven. And uh, as, as a church, then, we have gifts given to the church. One of those are pastors, and we are considering uh, Luca and Diane Scallon, calling them to be, uh, him to be a pastor here and them to come and be with us. Luke has been pastoring in Maryland for the last seven years. He did attend our church a long time ago now. No, not really, but a fair amount of time ago. And, uh, and we're excited to have him back, considering whether God would have us to call him as a pastor. So Luke, come ahead preach to us from God's word. We're delighted to have you and your family here. Thank you. Well, good morning. It is an amazing privilege to be back among you all. Many familiar faces, a uh, lot of friends that we still have in this church, and uh, excited to meet many more of you as we're here. And uh, Lord willing, if we have the privilege of being back, but um, we are very thankful for Crossroad Baptist Church. As Pastor Will said, uh, was here previously, was in the church from 2006 until 2014, and uh, learned a lot during my time here. Uh, it was during our time here that uh, had the privilege of, let's see if I can get this remote going, Judge showed me, but uh, let's see here. Oh, there we go. had the privilege of meeting my wife here. Uh, this was a picture of us before we'd started dating, but um, Diane and I were uh, very involved in a, a number of ministries, and, and we really learned that we, we love serving together. We, we get along well together, and God grew us in a friendship that uh, grew into marriage, and it was in this church that uh, we did get married, and uh, so very thankful for uh, God's leading in that way, how, how God brought Diane from Malaysia to Canada to Iowa, I don't know, but uh, we know that he's, he's sovereign and in charge. And uh, again, learned a lot here, got to serve in, in uh, college ministry, international ministry, did an, an internship under Pastor George Hatfield, and af uh, also that, uh, after that did an uh, internship with Pastor Will Hatfield, and um, God grew us a lot in the ministry, and we, we learned that we, we love people, we love spending time with people, and we, we want to be used by God, and, and just felt that God was continuing to grow us in that call to ministry. This morning, I'd like to uh, just share from the Word uh, and take you to Romans chapter 11 into chapter 12. While you're turning there, this is a, a picture of my family as well. They, they are with me back there, but we have uh, three boys now, so, so God's continued to lead. We've been married for 13 years, and, and Samuel is 11, Nathaniel is almost 10, and Michael is 8, and uh, they're growing fast. So when we left, uh, I, they were much smaller. Michael, Michael was born after, after we left, but we were, we were pregnant with him, and, and so God's grown our family, and, and God's continuing to work. Uh, today, I'd like to share from Romans chapter 11, just the end there, heading into chapter 12. Uh, it might be a little untraditional to uh, hit some of the chapter turns, but uh, I also like to help us see how, even though we have those chapter divisions, those, those are added later, and those chapters flow together, so we're going to move across that and, and see how it continues to flow, and I hope you'll see how this connects and why that's crucial, and uh, that, that God, God would uh, continue to 
work in our hearts to think on those things. Today's message is entitled, All of Me, All the Time. I'm going to go ahead and read. I invite you to follow along as I read Romans 11, verse 33 through Romans 12, verse 8. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has been a gift, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Will you pray with me as we dig into the word? Father, thank you that, uh, Lord, we, we turn to you today. We trust that you are sovereign and in control. And Lord, though we struggle against that sometimes, we're thankful that it's not any other way. Because Lord, uh, it's easy to be led astray. We are prone to wander, as we just sang. And uh, Lord, our, our hearts need you. We need your direction. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. And we're thankful that you know better than us what we need in our lives. And Father, we do pray for your good and acceptable and perfect will as we seek you. And we ask that in, in that seeking, that you would humble our hearts, that you would help us to see your riches, and that you would do a transforming work in and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I would have you consider, as we get started, a question, what is worship? What is worship? And, and uh, traditionally, I think it, we would think of what we just had done as a church, as, as Jed and Daniel led us in, in the singing of the music that exalts God and, and thinking about rich truths. And certainly that was, that was worship that we have done thus far. But I think it's important to recognize that worship encompasses far more than just the singing that we do together. And if we understand that, we understand that we don't just come to church to worship. Worship happens here corporately. There's an important part of, of worshiping as a church body, but worship also happens as we go forth. We gather to worship and then we scatter to continue in worship. 
And both aspects are important. If it's just the singing, then perhaps we can do that at home alone and we, we don't need the church. But because it involves all aspects, we need one another. And I hope we'll see that as we move through this text. Well, the idea of worship then, a, a simple English definition is the idea that worship it, to worship is to declare God's worth. That, that is part of that word, worthship, that God is worth it. He has a rich value, and, and that's the response that's coming right out of this. Paul proclaims, oh, the depths of the riches, as he's pondered who God is, God's sovereign plan, this, this response comes as Paul writes, but it's, it's more than just what Paul's writing, and it's more than just words, but God is moving in Paul's heart that he stops where he, what he's brought so far, and, and he has to respond in just proclaiming God's praise. And part of what that, that word encompasses, oftentimes that, that word worship is used, and it, it's the idea of to fall down. It's an awe of God, and you get that picture many times in scripture of, of people who are on their knees before God or even face down on the ground prostrate before him because it's, it's not just a bodily response but it's a picture of how God has humbled us because of who God is and how amazing that is and, and we respond wholeheartedly all of us and I, I want us to understand that worship is about all of us and it's not just a, a certain day of the week it's not a certain time of the day it's not a certain building that we come to but worship is all of us all of the time and i'd like to you to think of that very personally as well it's all of me all of you all the time and we ought to be moved to worship paul breaks out in this doxology this song if you will he's, he's writing but I, I i imagine that uh, there was singing at least in his heart that accompanied this and, and why paul has moved through 11 chapters of romans that detail the riches of the gospel that detail how god has has brought together jew and gentile and how god has a future plan for israel and, and so it answers a lot of questions about god's sovereignty it answers a lot of questions that bring us face to face with the reality that we can't earn salvation that the gospel is the good news of a savior jesus christ and we can't be good enough to go to heaven. And apart from him, we are hopeless. But Paul proclaims the hope we do have. And you're probably familiar with the Romans road. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we have to recognize that and personalize that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That there's a, a strong contrast to recognize I deserve death. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, this sin entered the world and we're all guilty of sin and that's the punishment I deserve and I'm not exempt. I can't look at other people and say, well, at least I'm better than them because God sees how I fall far short of his glory because of the sin in my heart, the sin in my life. But while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. And so the gift we can receive is that of eternal life. So there is great hope. And it ought to move us to worship, to see God, see God's plan, and, and to have received that, that, that it's a changing work in us. And what we often, what we want to do is sing if things are going well, like, okay, yesterday was a good day, and I'm thankful because of good things that happened. And, and 
Don't get me wrong, you should be thankful for good circumstances, but if we are only moved to worship by our circumstances, it'll be hard to worship at many times. We're looking for the right circumstances, and, and then we start to define God by our circumstances. But if we take a step back, and even in the midst of circumstances that we wouldn't prefer, and we wouldn't choose and see, okay, despite these circumstances, and despite the, the struggle, I know who God is. I know the truth about God. He's revealed himself in his word, so I know God's truth. I know the character of God, and I know the work of God, and I might not know what he's doing right now in this moment, but because of who God is, I can cling to him, and I can hope in him, and I can continue in worship in my heart. See, God is a sovereign creator, Sovereign sustainer, sovereign owner, and that's what Paul's saying here in 11.36, for from him, because he's created, and through him, because he continues to sustain, and to him, because he is the owner of all things, we all of it belongs to him, and we can uphold that in our hearts and our lives. So the question then is, how will you respond? How, you, how will you respond to who God is? How you, will you respond to what God has done? And he brings us to that, therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, that there's a call to response, and there's kind of a pivotal point here in Romans where he has laid all this rich theology, a rich understanding of God. He brings this doxology of praise because of who God is, but now what are we going to do in light of that? We could almost end at Romans eleven thirty six and say, yeah, we end in praise. But no, the praise is much more than just the words we might say or think or sing. Now it's lived out. And that's what I'd like to see today, that we ought to offer our lives to God in worship. Offer our lives to God in worship. There's temple language here. This idea of worship here is that of of priestly service in the temple and this offering of of a sacrifice, the presenting of our bodies, and and that it would be uh, acceptable, pleasing to God. It it goes back to a lot of the, the Old Testament pictures of sacrifices offered. They would have to come and bring their best before God to to recognize that of how unworthy they were to give the honor to him and to show that they they needed that that covering, that hope from sin. And it was really foreshadowing what Jesus would do in his once and for all sacrifice, offering his life, his death in our place. But now we're called for an ongoing sacrifice of our lives, lived for him. And I'd like us to see in this passage three uh, growth points. And the first is this, that we would break the world's pattern. We can offer our lives to God and worship by breaking the world's pattern. Imagine with me for a moment, this, we get this picture of offering, and, and we don't offer sacrifices, we don't bring our, our best animal in and, and slaughter it and offer it to God anymore, but the picture we often get of the offering is passing the plate uh, and, and giving our, our, uh, a financial offering, the giving of the gift to God. Well, imagine that uh, you go home and open your mail, and the, the check that you might have given is there, and it says rejected on it. The, the church has sent, or, or God has sent back your offering and said um, that th- it has been rejected. W- what if God doesn't receive your offering? And a bigger picture than just the financial offering, and this is the offering of our lives. 
Because he says here that we ought to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Something that God would receive as honoring him, as pleasing to him. Is that true of you? Do you think that describes your life and how you have lived? Well, we can't just say good enough because I've uh, satisfied a few ritualistic duties, coming to church, maybe giving, um, maybe whatever it might be, but say good enough. Instead, that's, that's this ongoing sacrifice, and it's important that we see the need to break the world's pattern. And there's two molds that are given here that uh, we need to watch out for so that we don't end up like the world. See, the world's pattern, if we don't recognize it, we, we, if we're on autopilot, the default mode is becoming more like the world, that that's our automatic direction. If we um, put our lives on coast and we are not intentional because the other side becoming more like Christ, it isn't automatic. It takes intentional focus, intentional work, intentional direction to grow in that way. And that's because we're told do not be conformed. There's an outward influence that is always working, whether we see it or not, always working to shape us, always working to make us into that pattern, that mold. The Bible describes the, 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 the world, the flesh, and the devil working together. It goes right along with what we want. And, and if, if I want it, it must be good. And, and we miss how we're being acted on by the outside influence. But instead, it says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's an inward influence that starts with a recognition of who God is. And it starts with a, the, the Holy Spirit stirring in us and responds to what he's doing it responds to his truth, his character, his work, and lets him shape us so that we are headed a different direction. We aren't becoming like the world, but we are being shaped to become more like Christ. Another major contrast is whether that's a pursuit of my will, what I want, what I think I deserve, what I think is good, because I, if I were to describe what, what I should have, and then start to dig into God's word and see, okay, well, God, God has a different plan for me. And it, it's not a bad plan. In fact, it, it's riches for me. It is blessing. And it, it looks different than what the world describes as riches, but it is good. And, and this will of God, it's good, and it's acceptable, and it is perfect. Do I trust that? Will I willingly step in? Well, one, we have to be warned, is the wrong way. Do not go down that path. But there is one way, and that's following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's, that's hard, because we, we ask big questions. What is God's will? How do we know what it is? Romans eleven thirty four even says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? These, these two quotes here at the end of Romans 11, a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, is verse 34 here. And in that, God confronts Judah to comfort her and helps her reflect and see his sovereignty. And, and so he, he, they're confronted. Who's known God's will? Who's known his mind? Who, who can tell God what to do? Not us. And in the second quote, verse 35, comes out of uh, comes out of Job, chapter 41, verse 11. If you're familiar with the story of Job, Job suffers, and he faces a lot of deep suffering, and he holds to his integrity, but, man, how do you understand? How do you make sense of something like that? It would be hard. And in the end, God confronts Job with a series of questions. 
And part of that brings Job face to face with, his, again, his sovereignty, his purpose. God answers to no one, but he says, who's, been, who's given a gift to him that he might be repaid? We can't demand anything of God. God, you owe me. Look what I've done for you. Now, that's not the mindset, but when we seek God's will, what we're doing is letting God work out his purpose. And we can come to understand God's will. It says to that, that be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. That we come to understand, first of all, that, that God's word reveals his will. Uh, very simple things like the, the need for prayer, the need to, to turn to him, the need to uh, turn from sin, to repent, to turn to uh, good truth and live it out. And this idea of putting it to test isn't a negative like, like children might sometimes, like tests and see, okay, uh, I don't like things, and so I'm going to test what happens if I do something different. This is, this is like a, a positive, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to the test like a, a taste test or, or test driving a car and, and see, actually, I love the way this works out. See, okay, this is good. There is uh, a truth and, and a riches to this that, yeah, test it out. See how it goes. It's worth it. Not only that, though, we can offer our lives to God in worship by training our minds. It's an important part of this. And just get that little glimpse there. But in verse 2, be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. There needs to be a, a, a process that what, what's automatic, what's the autopilot in my mind, needs to be trained about the right way to think. Imagine standing in front of the mirror. And what is, just ask yourself real quick, what, is, what do you think about yourself? Who do you see? What is your place? What is your self-view? Proverbs 23, 7 describes, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Our minds matter. There's an emerging emphasis on the mind in the New Testament. And even the idea as Jesus proclaims, repent calls for the need to change our minds, which then will lead to the change of behavior. Well, our minds need constant renewal. They need constantly renewed. I wish I could say it was just a one-time event, check it at the door, get the, get the new one, and, and you're good to go. And uh, just, just as a picture of the, the constant, uh, when my son was younger, he had a, a very much affection for his little basketball. And so he's, he's a picture of that constant. You can see here whether he's playing outside, whether he's enjoying uh, a ride in the car or watching TV, hanging out inside, even having breakfast or laying down to sleep. That ball was with him at all times for a good portion that there was a constancy for him. Well, what about you? For, for some of us, that constant might be, well, I, I go to my phone. I've always got it with me. And if I'm bored, I can pull it out and scroll. What, what's your constant that, that you're turning to? Well, whether you realize it or not, some of those, are, th those have a strong influence on your mind. What's your regular input? There's a, a need for the word of God in our hearts and lives that this, if this is truth and if there's something in the world working to lead me one direction and help me deviate from this if there's deceptive influence in the world that i need to understand what is truth and live according to that truth and i need the constant input of god's word 
so that um, instead we have learned how to see through the lens of God's word. There's, uh, whether we realize it or not, we've, we've got some sort of filter by which we understand the world around us. Going back to the, the foundational book of Genesis, and Adam and Eve had a trusting relationship with God, a personal, intimate relationship with him, and then Satan worked to, to twist that so that now there's a, a lens of doubt, and there's a questioning of God's truth, a questioning of God's motives, and, and sowing that doubt in just the right way, and, and the world in the same way can, can sow those questions that make us wonder. We've got to wrestle with those, but we need to come back to how do I have a proper understanding of the world around me? How do I understand who God is? How do I understand who I am? How do I understand what is truth? And the word of God gives me that lens that we can see through and understand properly. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Well, God has revealed his mind to us to an extent. He doesn't give us all the answers to all our questions, but he does give us what we need to know. His word is sufficient. It's uh, uh, all we need for life and godliness, and we can trust it. And then we offer our response to that, offering ourselves. Again, going back to Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, looking back on who God is and what he's done, his riches of his character, the riches of his truth, and the riches of all the work he has done thus far, there's an urgent cry to respond. And what is that? To offer ourselves, to give our lives, that we would be living sacrifices, all of us, our, our bodies, our minds, our wills, that we would yield that to God and give it to him. And part of that as well is understanding our place. What do you think of yourself? Who do you understand yourself to be? In Romans 12, 3, he continues, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I struggle with that. Do you? There's two dangers. He says, but to think with sober judgment. We can struggle in one of two ways. To think more highly. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, warns us, well, don't look out um, for only your own interests, but to others' interests. Don't count yourself as more significant than others, but count them as more significant than you. And then on the flip side, we, we could think too lowly of ourselves, and that's a, a missing the mark of a sober judgment as well, because God makes us in his image. He's got a plan for our lives, and he loves us. Well, that, that's crucial. So how do we understand ourselves? We look in the mirror, we ought to see through the lens of God's word and understand who does God say I am? What is he doing in and through me? What does he want to do? And if I understand that properly, then I can offer a proper response. Finally, we ought to offer our lives to God in worship by serving Christ's body. Serving Christ's body. And that flows right into that with the rest of, of this passage into verses 4 through 8. That that's a, a natural response because of God's truth, because of God's character, because of God's work. We're told he's given grace gifts to us. By his grace, he's gifted each one of us and for a purpose. Those gifts are given to serve the church. And so everyone in this room, if you've, you've trusted in Jesus as Savior, God has equipped you with, with uh, the Holy Spirit who's working in your life. You have 
abilities and gifts that God wants to use to build up this church. And that's important to recognize. First of all, we need to know that uh, church ministry is part of your identity. It's part of our growth. Church ministry is part of our worship. We get that bigger picture. Uh, again, this is, this is not segmenting one thought to the other. This is flowing right from where we're coming out of Romans 11 into Romans 12. And, and the idea of the, the doxology of, of lifting up God in praise. You see, his, his knowledge and wisdom, they are rich and incomprehensible, unfathomable. But to, to put his ways on the table and see, okay, here's part of what he's doing. And what he's asking of us is to offer our lives to him. And in so doing, he's bringing us together as a church as we offer ourselves together for his purpose, see how he builds up the church for his glory and our good. Well, if we don't, if we're not serving in the church, we're not part of a church ministry, we're missing where God has designed, all, we're not fulfilling all that God has designed us to be. So if there's a part of our identity that we're missing. We're not fulfilling all of how God has designed us to grow because God grows us through active church ministry. And we're not offering ourselves fully in worship, all of us, all the time, because that's an important part. To offer our b bodies a living sacrifice moves right into this. Not to, and, and even the, how we think about ourselves soberly moves right into this. If we're going to think soberly, well, we, we've got a place in the church and we've got a purpose that God wants to uh, fulfill in us that we, each one of us, are gifted for ministry. Well, the church is not a spectator sport. It's not a social club. It's not so we can gather together and just have a good time and go home and, and move on and move on to the next social event. And it's not a, a spectator sport where everyone comes and, and sits in the bleachers and watches the show up front. And we are actively engaged together to move in a common direction with a common purpose, a common goal of building up one another, again, for God's glory and our good. The truth is, God doesn't need any one of us. The proper understanding of God reveals, well, God doesn't need me. So if I'm going to rebel and head the other direction, well, God, God can work and, and change me, or, or God will accomplish it with or without me, but he does call us. And not just calling to the pastors, not just calling to certain uh, people, certain ministry leaders, but a call to each and every one of us to serve together and see what is God going to do. A sober judgment of self, again, sees what God says about us. And you can go to Ephesians 1. God tells us that each one of us, we are blessed, we are chosen, we are adopted, redeemed, forgiven, called, sealed. And God has a plan that, that that's what he's beginning in our lives so that uh, we're told in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So we have this precious hope, and we understand as we look through this list of gifts, starting in verse 6, having these gifts that differ, we think, well, who am I? What, what can I do? Well, you know, God has a plan, and you might be a little nervous about it, again, to, to test, discern by, by, by testing it out. 
get, get busy serving and see how God can actually surprise you, what he can do through you. Not everyone's supposed to preach and not everyone's supposed to teach, but everyone is supposed to do their part to bring the body together and to build into. God gives us his grace for that purpose, to invest in one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them and, and use them in the way that God has given us to do. Why? Because we are members of one another. We are one body in Christ. So we have that oneness about us. Part of that investment, we see uh, another use of that uh, temple terminology in Colossians 1.28, the reference to Jesus Christ. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That, that's, that's our direction together. That, that presenting, again, there's an offering that happens that we offer our lives in worship, but we're also seeking to offer one another that I want to step into your life. You want to step into others' lives, and we want to come alongside one another. We want to serve one another, and we want to help each other move to becoming more like Jesus. And we're not going to check a box and say, I've crossed the line. I've, I've made it. I, I'm, I'm Christ-like. But we'll keep moving in that direction and someday we will enter into his presence and see him as he is and be like him. But we have that privilege of pursuing that now together. In the same way, 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That uh, we, we've received something with a purpose. It's, it's uh, entrusted to us it's that same idea the grace gift and, and that which we've learned that which we've received we are to pass it along that uh, it's not just for me it's to invest in others and and to grow together to build up together that each one of us that that we're going to keep training what i've learned i want i want to bring others with me i want them to to learn alongside of me and I, you know i might only be a, a couple steps ahead of you in this walk but let's move together in that direction as we continue to, to train others to keep going. That idea of, of commit, that the deposit, that I'm putting something down to know that God is going to grow something through it. Well, here's a, a picture. Um, you who have kids, you know that this, this is quite an endeavor. Uh, my wife got our three boys involved with helping us make some banana bread muffins. And if, if she were to do it herself, or if we were to do it ourselves, it, it would have been a lot easier uh, it would be a lot less mess, and, but we, we got to bond over doing it together, and they get to learn in the process of, of making and baking together. They get to do things that they don't normally get to do, and, and in so doing, I think it's a, a beautiful picture of, of what it is as a church body, that if we just, okay, we're going to make sure that only people who are the best of the best are doing all the right things and the rest of us will stay out of the way so they can do it efficiently well we, we've missed what it is to be the church well the, being gifted doesn't mean the best the best being gifted means we might have to develop those gifts so we might have to grow together there's a training together to move in that direction and, and so god gives us one another so that that's that's what we're doing in the midst of it so church ministry isn't just about those we're serving but it's growing in the process of serving it's about who's coming alongside to help serve as well and that's why it's important that we recognize that serving the church is part of our identity. It's who God has called us to be. Serving the church is part of our growth. 
It's, it's how God is designed for us to grow. It's part of our worship. We worship not just by sitting back and, and, and uh, taking a passive role, but taking an active role in investing in one another to build one another up and say, this, this is worth it to me. I'm invested in this, and I will give myself for this. Well, let me close by asking then, what, what does God want to do in you and through you? How will God use you as you give yourself to worship him? Worship is, is not just the singing. It's our lives given for his purpose, his way. And part of that is when we, we, we scatter, we go forth into the week, every moment of every day, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's driving behind slow drivers, whatever it might be, that that's still my opportunity to worship God with my response. And then we come back, and as we gather, we step into each other's lives, and that ministering, serving one another, is a part, a valuable part of that worship. It's important that we offer our lives to God in worship and there's so much more involved in it. We're seeking through that worship to break the world's pattern that uh, if, if we're not actively worshiping God with the way we live our, live our lives, then whether we realize it or not, we're worshiping the world. We're worshiping other things in the world. And we're, we're loving all that's in the world rather than loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we need that proper orientation that we're being made in the right mold, that constant renewal of our minds to train it to know what is truth, to, to test that truth, to live it out and see how effective it is. And it's a process. It's not that the first time you try it, you'll get it right and, and, and check that box, but we're moving in a direction and then serving Christ's body to say, this is, we value what God's doing. We value one another and we want to invest in one another because of who God is and what God's doing in and through us. Perhaps you've heard it said, as Romans 12:1, Paul says, I urge you, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The problem with those living sacrifices is they're alive and they can crawl right off the altar. So we need that constant work to focus, to invest, and say, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to at that continual offering God, would, I want you to have all of me, all the time. Would you use me for your purposes? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I rejoice in who you are and what you've done. And, and Lord, I'm so humbled even to be here today among many who've had a powerful influence in my life to help me to, to grow in church ministry, to grow, to become more like Christ to grow in the knowledge of the word so that I can continue training my mind. And Lord, I thank you for your design of the church. That Jesus declared that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, we believe that truth. But we also ask that you would help our unbelief. That there are times that we live like the church might not be important. That we say it is, but we might invest ourselves more wholeheartedly in our own will, our own way, and miss what you could be doing in and through us. Father, thank you that, that you've given us uh, all 
different personalities, different abilities, and even different jobs. And, and Lord, you would use us in the midst of those jobs, in the midst of the course of life. We're not supposed to be the same, not in personality, not in, in a vocation, or, but, but you would have us to be the same in, in belief, the same in direction, the same in hope. And Father, because of that, we ask that you'd build us up in a, a common worship, loving you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving one another as ourself, because each other is worth it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.